We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your true faith, Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle United comfortably beaten by Arsenal 2-0 at St. James's Park. You've got Alex Hurst, Norman Riley, Charlotte Robson to talk to you all about it. Norman, that was shite. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Utterly listless. Very much a reflection of how we ended last season once we'd uh, got over the, the lane. The difference, obviously, this season is that we're not over the lane yet. Um we played yesterday like a team that had already accepted that it, that it survived. Now, it hasn't. You know, we are, we are going to survive. Look, it, it was boring, a completely spectacular collapse by us and Fulham basically doubling their winning tally by winning the last four games off the spin or West Brom winning their last, last five games. So we are in all likelihood staying up. But at the same time, it's not guaranteed. So what I would like to have seen yesterday was a bit more fight, a bit more determination because, you know, ultimately a win yesterday... Or a point, and, and you could see, yeah, that, that that is, you know, that is more or less it. That defeat and the manner of it still leaves a couple of doubts hanging, a couple of questions hanging. Um, we'll go to Leicester, we'll lose there. Fulham, possibly, I think they've got Burnley in the next game. Uh, you know, they, they they win that, and it does put a bit of pressure on again. It puts pressure on the on the West uh, on the um, Sheffield United game more than than we need because we're not going to get anything against Man City. Man City play us with the likelihood of them being able to win the title. They may have won it by the time they play us, but it might be the game where they need one point or they need to win. So they'll do it anyways. Um, and then you're looking at us going to play in Sheffield United, still not necessarily um, free of, of relegation. And that performance yesterday was like a, a side that didn't care, couldn't be bothered. And that's, I'm not digging the players out here. Um, that, you know, I think that that might be a bit harsh, but ultimately it was so poor against aside that not only had played one of the biggest games of the season like three days earlier um and the result that they got against Villarreal it was it was it was like the perfect result for us like the you know it two one away in in Europe without a way goal they've got the home and let it come it, it's like ideal there was so much riding on this game they've got coming up this week that the game in the middle against us is a complete not an inconvenience and Arteta made it clear it was an inconvenience by making eight changes I think to that side that played in the Europa League that was a weak Arsenal side, right? A really weak Arsenal side. Look, individually, some good talent out there, no doubt. You didn't have Saka in there. You didn't have Lacazette in there. That was a side that was there for the taking. Um, and we gave, I mean, we gave absolutely nothing. Like, zero threat. We had a shot on target, apparently, right? I've got no recollection. I've got no recollection of that target, that shot on target. Well, it must have been like one of those long-range ones that just kind of trickles into keep us arms. And I, think it was the, I think it was the ASM one early on in the first half. I think that was the only shot we had. But, well, God, can I... Oh, yeah, yeah, the one where you kind of dug it out to the ground. Yeah, yeah. now I remember. God, what a, what a happy memory that was. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the performance was, was utterly atrocious. And I think what's even sadder about it is, is that it, it wasn't like we played well in the first half or it was a tight game in the first half. Arsenal were one up at half-time. And they were completely and utterly in control. And we came out for the second half, not with a kind of attitude of we need to really kind of dig in. And then the commentator said, I think it was Don Goodman said, Oh, Newcastle, oh, what they're doing is now they're making Arsenal make more long passes instead of short ones. And you're thinking, Oh, nice one. <laughs> we're making them make more long passes instead of short ones. Sound, these things are looking up. I mean, they weren't, were they? We were absolutely shocking. Um, there was no, there was nothing. There, there, was, there was nothing. And it's a little bit disconcerting because what may well happen is 
we stay up by the skin of our teeth. We finish fourth bottom by fourth bottom now. Um, and we end the season on a complete note. You know, I hate this word because it, it's really like on a matter of pick and disgusting, but damp squib. Um, and we start next season, having ended the season the way we have. And you can only see one thing happening, can't you? Yet another horrible relegation battle where if we play how we have played for most of this season, i.e. five wins in 24 games, by the way, then we're dead certain for relegation. So I incredibly, incredibly poor performance and lots to worry about, I think, based on yet based on yesterday. And again, yes, we've had four games that we haven't done too badly. We've picked up points. You can't just look at the last four games, though, can you? Yesterday was more indicative of the reality. The four games that we haven't lost weren't indicative of the reality. It was yesterday that was. That was yeah, that yesterday was a team that has won four times in 24 games. I think yesterday's um, performance really exposes the um, reliance on like one or two key players, like which we've talked about, you know, ASM, Miggy to an extent when he's played right, and Wilson, how we, you know, we've won or not lost the last four games because of that individual because of that individual brilliance rather than, you know, any kind of um, game plan necessarily. And I think yesterday really exposed that because when those players don't have a good game or are tired or are just shut out by, um, or shut out by, um, well, in this case, Arsenal, um, it, it, it became completely like redundant, the fact that we've got those excellent players because there isn't a game plan there isn't there isn't um a plan a let alone a plan b to deal with things when when like asm's being crowded out or whatever he wasn't out wide enough anyway um and and there just didn't seem to be a, any kind of any kind of cohesion on the pitch for me with with our players and so you know you, you think you look at like yeah you think oh well We'll we'll be fine because ASM will probably get the ball and 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 run it up the pitch. Well, that's not you can't rely on that. Like if it's just it just baffles me. And also, you talk about next season, Norman. If we do stay, and I agree, it's not a, a cert. It it's a probably, but it's not certain that we're going to stay up this season. If we go if we go into next season in the Premier League, we're definitely going to have another horrible relegation battle season. And I don't think we'll have ASM. I don't think um, we'll have some of our key players because um, they're going to sell them. If like that, it, it, it makes total sense to me. I don't think that they want to stay. I think um, I think ASM's really good at like integrating himself into the local community and and like and like geeing up our fans. And he's really like clearly engaged with us and, and, and likes us, I think. But as if I was him as a player with so much dynamism and excitement and, and you know, a, a finite time in which to sort of develop that, I wouldn't want to stay at Newcastle under Steve Bruce. If Steve Bruce is still there next season, I don't think players like ASM will be. And so it's just, I look at that and I just think, oh, Jesus Christ, like it's all, it would almost be better if we went down. But I, I still don't want us to go down. I think the only thing that counts in our favour as fans, because like you say, Charlotte, that Ashley Charney would absolutely love to sell these players for a huge amount of money, is because everyone's skinned. That's maybe the only saving grace that he'll be here, because I totally agree. Okay. If you're him, you want to play at as high a level as possible. And, you know, yesterday's the perfect example of probably how you don't want to play your football. Um, and if you're the club, you, you, you know, the club are no different to lots of other clubs at the minute. They've likely made a huge financial loss. Um, in the past couple of years or the past year because of the pandemic and they'll need cash. One of the most disappointing things about yesterday for me, me and Norman, we did a show on our Patreon platform through the week looking ahead at the fixtures to come. I kind of thought it was a, a defining moment for Steve Bruce. There was a symmetry there of his first game against an opponent who we knew would rest players, an opponent who, I mean, their own fans think they're shit. They are shit. You know, they started that game yesterday, one position from Wolves, who are shit, in the league. And it was a real opportunity for Bruce to, to, to kick on. We, we talked about maybe trying a different formation uh, because there was no need to have the kind of comfort blanket capitulation formation which he plays. Um, and instead, instead, what we saw was just a reversion, a type. And it's like even trying to analyse any of that game, you know, we could just 
repeat the conversations that were had in this podcast after say Chelsea at home. That was an exact performance. The performance was exactly the same. Chelsea at home. Norman, you've said it before, where we almost kind of bore teams into submission because they're winning so easily. And if you look at the look at the first half performances in recent games, so Brighton, Burnley, Liverpool, and that Arsenal game today, and all of those games in Castle could have been funneled down at half time. This is not a well prepared and coached team. It's it's the kind of team that one of these days is going to find itself funneled down at half time, and then it's like the never ending cycle of the gloves are off, my way or the highway now. Like if you want to. If you want an example of what Steve Bruce's Newcastle are, it was yesterday. And that first goal that were conceded, when David Luiz is allowed in the first five minutes of a game at St. James's Park, whether there's fans there or not, first five minutes of a game at St. James's Park. And bear in mind, Newcastle are supposed to be in a relegation battle here. They're supposed to be scrapping, they're supposed to be fighting. David Luiz picks the ball up in his own half. He takes a touch, he looks up, he takes another touch, he starts to move forward, probably expecting someone to close him down. He moves forward again. He moves forward about another 10 yards with the ball. Puts a pass under zero pressure. Not one Newcastle player close to him made any attempt to stop that player making the pass that he wanted to make. And the ball's in the back of the net five seconds later. That's like a systematic failure of an of an enormous level for, for one of the opposition players to be able to play a forward pass in your final third with zero pressure on him. It's it's like, you know, Norman, you said you don't want to take out the players at the, at the time, at the start of the game. I was furious with the players. That was um, Mark Ritchie's side. You know, that was Miguel Almiron's side. But then the, then the game goes on and, and you think to yourself, surely the players are being told to do this. It, it, it is impossible. And we've talked about this conundrum before. How could we be so bad, so passive, so listless? So it's pathetic, really, isn't it? It's a pathetic excuse of a football team at the minute. How could the players be like that? And you have to conclude that they are instructed to do so. It would, you know, it, it couldn't keep happening. It couldn't keep happening, and, and all the stuff we heard about players not liking the formation, not liking the tactics. It just, it just seems incredible that after the great escape at Liverpool, now I wasn't on the post Liverpool podcast. Newcastle were shy at Liverpool. Should have lost the game five nil, five one. Um, they did really well in the end after a bit of injustice come back. Probably masked an awful lot of deficiencies that you guys talked about on the podcast last week. Newcastle were rubbish for large parts against against West Ham. Newcastle were rubbish for the first 60 minutes against Burnley. So we've we've come into this game with all of that behind us. Um, and Norman, you, you wanted to touch on his post-match comments. And I, I wanted to touch on them as well really br- briefly. Because when you listen to Bruce in the post-match interview, you're like, yeah, it was the plan. Because it's impossible to listen to him in the post-match interview and then think, oh, it's the players. Because in that post-match interview, he mentions how good a team Arsenal are, how fantastic Arsenal are. People, people, we take the piss out of him for looking at fixtures. He thinks it's still 2001, man, in his head. Oh, Arsenal today, they're absolutely class. I wonder what Arsenal Wenger's, what, who? Miguel, who? Like, no, it's, Steve, you've played against Arsenal four times now as a manager. I think Newcastle have had three shots on target in those four games, which is just like... Arsenal are a really, really bad team, but interested to hear your thoughts on it because he wanted to talk about his post-match comments. I think performances like yesterday, and, and there's a body of evidence, I'll, I'll talk about it again, Man United at home, Chelsea at home, Spurs away, Man City away, um, Man City away and at home last season, at the end of the season, Liverpool at home last season. We have seen that performance time after time after time. It's no mistake. It isn't a mistake. And this is where I'll defend the players ever so slightly. Now, I'm obviously hypothesising here, right? Because I've got no idea what guns on in the changing room or in the dressing, uh, in the dressing room. So the dressing room? Is it a dressing room? Oh, I can't have a dressing room. Um, <laughs> on the training ground. <laughs> it can be a dressing room or a changing room, Carter. It doesn't matter. They're interchangeable. Um, so the uh, the players, right? Yes, yesterday they looked like they didn't really have any kind of drive in them, right? But you mentioned there what we've said repeatedly is that Steve Bruce looks at teams who are so-called big clubs and automatically assumes that that, that they're excellent and they're better, right? He automatically assumes that. So despite the fact that Arsenal, okay, yes, they are better than us because they're high up in the league, but they're a mid-table team, right? That's what they are. They've been a same transition for, for years. They've almost been like on a, on a downward trajectory for years. Or Teta may end up turning them around, who knows? But ultimately, they're not in a good place at the minute. They're a team that we should be looking to defeat, right? Lots of teams have beaten them this season. 
they're there for the taking. They don't really score create many chances. They don't really score many goals, and they've got a wobbly defence. We've played them four times, and Bruce we've scored none, let in eleven. That's our record against them, right? Those players. If you can imagine what Steve Bruce's attitude is like on this on the training ground or in the dressing room before the match when he's trying to g the players up, when automatically he's more or less accepted the fact we probably won't get anything. How does that, how does that feel like down to the players when you get out on the pitch? How inspired are you going to feel when your manager basically is more or less expressed that he doesn't believe? We are capable. You are capable of beating a side that's mid-table. That's the impression that I get, right? So, so for me, as a as an employee of an organisation, if your gaffer is basically telling you that the other company's better all the time and you're probably not going to get much more than they do, it will demotivate you slightly. So I can I can use that as a slight excuse in terms of his. Um, I mean, obviously that's no excuse for them not running around hard, but ultimately, you know, you, you do you do require a little bit of motivation from the person supposedly leading you. Um, in, in terms of these post-match comments, I'm going to just read them here because it's how I interpret them and I might be interpreting them wrong because, you know, obviously I, I dislike Steve Bruce as a, as a Newcastle manager. Um, we won't go into what I think of him as a, as a person based on recent media reports. Um, so it's a poor goal after four minutes. When you're chasing against these lads, it's always going to be difficult. What mid-table Arsenal don't score. Um, Alan San Maximan in the last few weeks has produced all sorts of magic, but... It wasn't quite there today, right? The problem I've got with this is that that, to me, just shows you exactly what Newcastle United's system is. Under Steve Bruce, we've said this before. The system is Alan San Maximan, right? That's it. San Maximan doesn't produce. Newcastle don't do well. Steve Bruce knows this. And almost to a certain extent, by saying that, he's kind of, it feels like he's almost digging Maximan out, but also kind of underlying his own deficiencies. The manager's like, oh, we're terrible because Maxi was bad. And but also admitting at the same time, yeah, basically I rely on Maximan. That's all I've got. Um, that that's how I interpreted those those comments. And um, what was the other thing? Um, yes. So he's talking about the play, like Maximan being pulled out of position or the magic not being there, right? Mate, Maximan, if you told him to stay on the right hand side and run at Granite Jacker, Jacker would have been sent off in the first half. He got booked within the first 20 minutes. I think I said before the game, Maximan up against Xhaka, this is going to end up in a red card. If Maximan just has the... If, he, if he's literally just told to get the ball and drive at Xhaka, that's all he had to do. That's all he should have been told to do. Nothing else. It should have been Alan on the right-hand side, driving him, driving him, driving him. He's booked after 20 minutes. It's almost like Xhaka got booked after 20 minutes. Next thing you know, there's like literally nobody attacking him. No one. And Xhaka's all of a sudden pushing forward, looking like he's Roberto Carlos. It was pretty spectacular. So there you go. Maybe... Maybe I'm misinterpreting it through me clear apoplexy at the listlessness of the performance. My my take on that kind of um, he's produced some magic comment, but it wasn't there today, is is almost like an admission that Steve Bruce has nothing to do with good performances. <laughs> it's it's like he's a magical man who just jumps onto the pitch and does his own thing, sprinkling his magic, which has nothing to do with me. And it just wasn't there today because because it has nothing to do with me. I can't tell him when to switch it on and off. And it wasn't there today. It, to me, it's just like, it, it's like, he's so good. I just put him on the pitch. I know that kind of what you're saying, but to me, it's, it's such an admission that he's got nothing to do with Alan Sam Maximan's um, uh, skill and 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 the way that he plays when he plays, I I just think it's it's so telling. But I guess it's also not a surprise. Yeah, well said. I totally agree. And Norman, back on what Bruce was saying, I think those quotes there are from BBC. Um, I listened to the Sky interview he did, and he was far more jubilant almost about how good Arsenal were. He was like really, really talking Arsenal up. Fantastic side, fantastic players, players like they've got a side like Arsenal. You're always going to struggle. And it, it does support what what you said was well, kind of early on under Bruce's reign, probably realised that there isn't, you know, some sort of um, genius out there deflecting from his players. Like, no, this is what he says to the players in the change room. There, there, there aren't two Steves. There's just Steve Bruce. Um, I, I compared, and although statistics can be misleading and twisted, which you might argue I'm, I'm using these statistics to support my argument here, but I went back and looked at the first game against Arsenal uh, in his tenure, and that day we had 38% possession, nine shots, two shots on target, 
Arsenal had 62% possession, only eight shots and two on target. Yesterday, possession was almost identical, 39-61. We had five shots, one on target. Arsenal, 19 shots and six on target. And that pretty much tells the story of this Newcastle side under Steve Bruce. And he played the same formation that day. He, he came in and he changed it slightly from Rafa Benitez's system. He didn't want to play with two midfielders and three forward players. He wanted to play with three midfielders who that day, what, in August 19, such a long time ago now, were Hayden Longstaff and Shelby uh, with Almiron behind Joe Linton. Today, he's put St. Maximan behind Wilson and stuck Almiron in central midfield. Um, that it's probably a good example, in my opinion, of, of how badly we've regressed. We'll play the same formation, which is very passive, which we used to do, but we were defensively solid and, and limited Arsenal that day to only one one chance, really, which they scored from a defensive error of Bruce's own making, you could argue, with the substitution stuff that went on that day. And, and you look at us now, and I think what, you know, and I've, I've asked this several times on podcasts this season, how was it supposed to go yesterday? Like, Bruce has obviously told the players, you know, and, and we talked about it, and you guys talked about it, Charlotte, on the Patreon preview, you know, we're always going to give Arsenal 60%, 70% of the ball. So there's a problem. That's a problem straight away when you're going to give the opposition as much ball, as much territory um, as they want. And that's frustrating because, like we say, I, I don't agree with that uh, against Man United or Liverpool or Chelsea or Man City. And you look at the amount of chances we're conceding those games, it doesn't work there either. But the fact that we decided to do that, okay, so they're going to have 70% of possession. What's our next bet? Do you know what I mean? What what do we do from there? I, I, honestly, apart from the odd counter-attack, but you're only going to get maybe two or three genuine counter-attacks in a game. What are the players supposed to do? Because I just don't know no one. We rely on unforced errors from the opposition in moments of magic. That's, that's Newcastle United. Um, and as we've seen in the past, we sometimes lull teams into playing so badly because we're so absolutely shockingly bad. They, they, they drop their performance levels because, you know, it's it's the reverse effect of a team from League Two playing against a Premier League side in an FA Cup tie. You know, they, they, they raise their game to kind of try and match a Premier League side, whereas we actually bring Premier League sides down to, to our miserable level. And I think what's frustrating is you're saying, what, how was yesterday supposed to go? You could ask this question before every game, right? Because the reality is, Newcastle United are the only side in the Premier League. You could say Sheffield United now that Wilder's gone, but the only side in the Premier League that has that does not have an identity, does not have a definitive system of play. We are a collection of footballers on a pitch that is totally ganut and play football. That's it. That is that is the system. That is that is how we are. So I never know how any game's supposed to go because I genuinely don't think that there is. A plan is is there's, there isn't a plan as unique or, or or like kind of beyond just going out there and play football lads and try and win or try not to lose depending on the opposition obviously um and and, that, and that's it so so how was yesterday supposed to go? It, it it went and I think Charlotte popped in the comments here she's exactly right yeah. it went how it was supposed to go it went like in yeah. Newcastle United performance that we might win oh no no hold on we might win we might draw we'll probably lose that's the pattern right because there is there is zero identity. There is nothing I can say about Newcastle United going into that game yesterday that would make me think, oh, hold on. Oh, I see the way, so the way that we play, actually we could probably get them like this, get them like this because we've got this system. It's not a, it's not. It's a case of let's hope Arsenal make some unforced errors and Sam Maximan and Callum Wilson are blind us. That's how far it goes and that's the hope in every single game we play. So they, they, that, that's all I've got. That's all I've got. Yeah, that's all I was going to say. I know Alex is going to come in, but you ask how it was supposed to go. It went how it was supposed to go. That is how it was supposed to go. That's that's all I can say. I think you're right, though, um, Charlotte, because we've said this before. You know, compare Bruce's reaction post game yesterday, and I'm I'm putting him in some illustrious company here. But at the end of the day, he's been managing for like ten seasons in the Premier League. Um, You know, consider Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola. Um, Thomas Tuchel, you know, um, even even Nuno at Wolves, Chris Wilder when he was at Sheffield United, Rafa Benitez at Newcastle, who were furious after every defeat. They could they could hardly talk. They often like verged into. And I'm sure they're all very nice people individually, but they verged into like unprofessionalism at times and they're rude to the interviewers. Steve Bruce is like happy as anything. He's like, you know, Arsenal were excellent today. It's like no, they weren't. They did the bare minimum. 
to beat us. But just referring, I've mentioned this a couple of times in the podcast, I did a, had a chat with Kelly Cates on Five Live earlier this season, probably after the Brentford game, I think. And and I asked her, what like, what are this Newcastle United side good? Because she, I mean, she's a, I think, knowledgeable um, journalist and presenter, and she's sympathetic, I think. I mean, her dad's managed Newcastle. Um, so she has some, you know, knowledge of the area growing up. Um, but she, you know, she kind of said, you know, Newcastle are 12th or something at the time. And a lot of fans look at it and say, you know, you, you got to a quarter final in the League Cup, blah, blah, blah. And I said, what are Newcastle United good at? I said, I said Kelly, you watch Newcastle a lot. You've presented on several of our games this season. What are Newcastle good at? And I said to her, because I remember you saying at half time, at that Newcastle game itself happened where we were 1-0 down. And again, there could have been 4-5-0 or five nil down quite comfortably in that game at half-time. And I said, you know, you said Newcastle were good at hanging in games. And I was like, that translates as getting absolutely battered, but only losing one or two nil. That's not a that's not like that's not a good thing. Like, how often do we come from behind to, to, to take anything from a game? I mean, we have recently, because of Joe Willock, pretty much exclusively. But if you look at if you look at the season. Very rarely does a game that goes against Newcastle turn out the way it shouldn't completely in terms of Newcastle coming from 1-0 down to win 3 or 4-1 or something like that. It's absolutely ridiculous. Norman's put a good comment there saying it took Pochettino two seasons to go over the 5-1 loss at our place. Um, do, you not, but, do you not remember? Like Basically, it was every single time, I think the first two games after when we got back in the Premier League after that 5-1 win, he basically he mentioned the 5-1 loss. He was still completely furious about it, which... But you know, you've got to you've got to admire, right? You've got to admire that kind of desire to to win and enact revenge and you know make up for a terrible performance. Um, Steve Bruce would have like looked at a five-one loss and thought, "Oh well, back to me custard." <laughs> well, it is very much a kind of uh, yes. You just feel like yesterday, and it, you know we've talked about the setup and how it was supposed to go. You just, I just feel like what's the worst if you can't if you'd said to them, "Get into these," they're shite. Get into them. They didn't want to be here. They're thinking about a game on Thursday. They've had no time to prepare tactically for us. Let's throw them a curveball. Let's go and play 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1 on your stupid diamond formation. Let's pressure them. Let's not let David Luiz pick a pass out where he wants on the pitch. Let's press them. Let's make life difficult. Let's give them a game. And it's incomprehensible to me that once again, it's just like now more the same. More of the same. The team, by the way, looked nagged. I don't know whether you agree with this or not. Second half, chase and shadows. You know, Arsenal, Arsenal, even the lads who who didn't necessarily start the game, you know, have been involved in a trip to and from Spain. Um, very high intensity, high energy game. You know, massive game for the football club, really, because a lot of their issues and their quite staggering financial issues. Could could be partly resolved by Champions League qualification next season, and I think it's going to be the first time if they don't win the Europa League, it will be the first time in twenty five years Arsenal haven't competed in Europe, which is quite a record. Um, but yeah, it's it's like I'm sick. Of, I'm sick of having the same conversations. I'm sick of having having the same talking points after these kind of performances, and they're simply not going to stop. And part of it. Charlotte, I'll bring you in to see if you agree or not. Part of it, to me, is very much like Norman mentioned at the start of the show. Um, it's, a, it's a group of players and a, a coaching staff and a manager in particular who've used the last few weeks as some sort of like miraculous uh, indication of that he was right all along, would be fine. In fact, we'll, we'll go into this fixture and remain 17th in the league. And it looked to me, Charlotte, like a, a bunch of lads in the team who've spent the last week in particular patting themselves on the back saying well done to themselves, saying haven't we showed everyone, rather than thinking, what can we do with these last five fixtures? How high can we go? What do you, what do you think the mentality was like from the whole the whole squad? Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree with the knackered point. Like, looking at, like, Miggy or, well, anyone on the pitch that just looked so tired, there wasn't any movement. And I don't think Arsenal had us running around a lot. Like, I don't think it was a particularly athletic game. But everybody from the get-go just looked absolutely shattered and not engaged with it like they had unplugged I think you're right I think um I think it, it it's not Steve Bruce's Newcastle United it's not Mike Ashley's Newcastle United to think how far can we push on like we're 17th can we push on like it's we're 17th and that's fine and I think there was a point where we, we were what 15th for a short time 
I, I truly believe Steve Bruce saw that and thought, brilliant, we're 15th. We'll, we'll, we'll stay 15th then. That's, 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 that's Season's nearly finished. That's probably where we'll finish. Like, I think that's the mentality. It's like, well, we're nowhere near the bottom now. Like, when when actually, I, I, don't, I can't speak for the players. Well, I can't speak for any of them really, but I, do, I just, I agree. I think it's, it's a strange one because there's this like dichotomy of um, of Steve Bruce thinking we've shown them, we've shown them, and we've we've done it, and we're staying, but then also saying we rely on this magical players' magical ability to to do this. Like it's this sort of straight. It, they those two those two lines of thinking don't really. Um, mesh for me, but I, I also can't claim to understand what's going on in Steve Bruce's head. But I do agree with you. I think they think that that's fine and they're safe and that's it. So it's um, so it's all about the accumulation of points, right? So we stay up this season with like 36, 37 points. And let's look at the accumulation of points. If you take the 34 games we've played this season and you stick on the other four from last end of last season, which is 38 games, right? That's our last, so that's our last 38 games. That's your last season of football under the same manager, right? We've got 37 points from those 38 games. We've scored 37 goals, conceded 64, I think. That I mean, that is absolutely shocking, right? That is absolutely shocking. And this season, we're probably going to end up on like 37 or 38 points. So the last 38 games are probably going to be reflective of the 38 games that we played this season. That, that's the reality. That's, that's where we are as a club. We are now a club that is going to probably average one point per game over the course of the season. That might be all right for a couple of seasons to keep you in 17th place, the remit. But ultimately, there is going to be a season where you're going to need to break the 40-point barrier or possibly get to 42 points. And unfortunately, based on the last 38 league games that we've played, I don't believe that this that that's going to be possible. I, I will be generally surprised if we... Like, like last season's points total, which I think was 43, um, I think that's going to be our pinnacle. I think that will be our pinnacle under Steve Bruce. I, re- I really do. Um, in yesterday's performance, like as we've already said, like the, the four performances where we got the points prior to yesterday, they're, they're kind of the dangerous in many respects in that it, it offers a, a kind of um, like a, a false um, a false economy, right? It makes it makes we look like we're doing all right. And those performances and those results, you think, oh, they're great. There was, but we know the performances. The performances weren't good performances. They relied on the magic that, as we've said before, Willock can produce, Sam Maximan can produce. That that that's literally what I was. Oh, and Martin Dubravka in some outrageous um, Alamo style defense defensive work. So that that is that is the future. That's that's the past, the present, and the future of Newcastle United under Steve Bruce. And uh, yesterday, it's weird because. Uh, this podcast, I seem to have like veered between kind of feeling uh, like angry, but also at the same time like b- like laughing. Um, and and I think that's again reflective of, of Newcastle United under both Mike Ashley and Steve Bruce. It's like angry and like horribly hilarious at the same time. Yes, yes, I agree. And like I said before, it's it felt like a waste of time watching the game yesterday. And and we are used, all of us listening. Or watching and us, us three here, we are used to Newcastle United being beaten and badly beaten. It's part of our DNA uh, growing up, and there are worse run clubs and there are worse, uh, you know, situations for fans to be in. But Newcastle and Mike Ashley, uh, they've never had a positive goal difference. Under the, the season, we finished fifth. I think we're like a plus two goal difference, or plus three, which is the, the lowest ever for a team to finish fifth. We finished tenth with the lowest ever points total for finishing tenth. So it's it's not like it's been some up and down ride of, of brilliance and, and horrific performances. It's been like consistently average or bad. That's, you know, that's the best we've gotten here. And I just felt like yesterday, like even before the second goal, and then just, what am I doing here? Yeah, what am I doing watching this? Like, I think part of me feels that Bruce and his bosses think themselves, well, these games wouldn't happen if there was fans in the ground. And, the, and Bruce has mentioned that before, which is like so arrogant, like so arrogant to suggest that it hurts Newcastle more not having their fans in the ground. It's just preposterous. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just it's just ludicrous. What you know, I'm not even getting into it. It's such a but how's our home record been like? Sorry, how yeah. how how has our home record been like when fans have been in? Let, let's take the home record 
Undermate Ashley prior to fans not being allowed in the stadium. Were we some sort of like, uh, was it sort of Fortress Newcastle for like, you know, 15 years? Because it um, wasn't, was Nor it? Norwich going, <laughs> we basically saw that performance yesterday at Norwich at home, who were already relegated last season, where there was 52,000 there. Um, but it's just the extra it's just man. Not... We're missing the extra man on the pitch. It's like, no, no, we're not, man. Look at the record. Look at the record in the previous 10 years, you idiot. Let's, um, let's, let's. Look at a couple of things in the game, I suppose. Um, Charlotte, first of all, do you think Dubravka could have done better with the first goal? Um, never. Uh, yeah, I think he should have got that first goal. I think I think he ex- didn't see El Nani coming in. Aubameyang absolutely like just had a horrible time with that, and I think he thought that was that was the only threat. Aubameyang straight in front of him. I don't think he expected that um, that shot. Um, Having said that, he was it was very close to it. I think he should have grabbed it um, and kept it out. Um, he did. He did save. A, 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 there was another shot. Was it? Who was it? Oh, I can't remember now. But there was another shot, very strong shot that he saved, which was great. And the Aubameyang goal, the second goal, was was a great goal. So I, I don't think he could have done heaps better on that. But um, yes, I think the first goal he should have stopped. I hate saying it, but I think you should. That's the problem, isn't it? When you're a when you're so, when you're so only listless outfield, right? When you've got it, when you're offering nothing as an attacking side, when you don't offer much as an attacking side, that and you're in re- constant relegation battles. You're so incredibly reliant on your goalkeeper that that one error the keeper commits, which look the amount of pressure that Newcastle United goalkeepers face, I think you know the occasional error is completely forgivable, right? So we're so absolutely reliant on our goalkeepers having the absolute perfect game every single time that we literally can't afford for our keepers to make a mistake. Every goalkeeper makes mistakes. The thing is, it's just not as costly, usually because the other teams offer some form of threat on uh, outfield. So so Dubravka makes one one mistake and, and it's just, it's massive. It's like, it's massively costly immediately. And that's, that's a frustrating thing, right? We're just, we're so reliant on him being perfect every single time that when he messes up, it's really costly. And it's, it's kind of harsh on him, right? No, it is, and, and, and every the whole team was was miles off the pace yesterday, as we've discussed. Possibly because they were instructed to be pathetic and listless and stand off and just try and keep the score down. And it's unrealistic to expect the goalkeeper to consistently perform like 20 percent above his teammates' level. But that's what he that's what he's had to do for for the vast majority of time that he's been here. Um, I thought he, I thought he should have saved it. I don't blame him for the defeat. It's one of those. Um, Norman, let's talk about two red cards. One that was given, one that wasn't. First of all, Granite Jagger, lucky. Oh, definitely. I mean, he's committed two um, yellow card offences, right? It's as simple as that. So you should have had two yellow cards. There's no, there's no excuse for it. You don't, you don't book a player for the first bad challenge and then let them have another one free of charge, and then wait for them to do a third one. You know, you, you basically, if he was going to let any of them go, any of those two fouls go. It would have been the first one because it's the first one, you know. Like, and that, it's it's ridiculous to do that, but it, ultimately he could have said, "Yeah, all right." And look, it's your first one, run away, and then book him on the second one. Didn't it make Dini? He booked him for the first one. It completely ignored the second one, which was clearly a yellow card offence, and then just allowed it again. And it's just it's just miserable refing it. It makes a mockery of the fact that VAR's there. It's like, well, you know, if you're not going to check it with VAR, if you're not going to go back and have a look at the screen and make a decision, what's the point? Um, and it was Mike Dean as well, and, and Mike Dean, frankly, is. A celebrity referee who is more concerned with how he's perceived as opposed to what what doing his job. It's as simple as that. Um, in the Fabian Shear one, um, do I think it should have been a red card? If 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 Jack as first was a yellow, then Shear should have been a yellow, right? Yeah. Well, I think I think first of all on the um, the Jacker one, I think Dean because Miguel Miron was like scandalously booked. And then committed a foul after, even though he, do, he doesn't actually touch the lad again. The lad trips himself up for an attacking free kick for Arsenal. Dean just thinks, well, I let Almiron off with one, so I let Jacker off with one, which is a pathetic way to referee. And if you look at the the, the commentators, summed it up really well, but also again the futility of VAR um, when they said if Mike Dean had given a yellow card to Shaw, there's no way it would have been upgraded to a red card. So it's it's it, it's like it's a referee ever, and I just I cannot for the life of me see how that's a red card. He's about half an hour late, but that happens in football. You get beaten to the ball and beaten comfortably. It, it, he wasn't high. It wasn't excessive force. 
His studs weren't up. He's, he's, you know, you can see Shaw was just like, what the actual fuck? Like, like this, this, this literally is, is it's, it's a definite yellow card, but it's, you're right, mate, about Magdine. You know, there was no controversy in yesterday's game. Um, so he made some almost. Um, Norman's just put there in the chat. Is that Fabian Shaw's last game? Because it looks like it, because he's out of contract. It, it's mad, isn't it? How we, how, how we do this. We did it with Mankio last season. Um, just players like crucial first team players who would probably be starting Norman. I just want to quickly say there's a few things here, right? You've got to look at Fabian Shea and Florian Lejeune, right? You look at that performance against Man City when we beat them 2 1, right? Those two were both playing in a back three. They were both fantastic in incredible form. You remember Shea's goal against Burnley when he just came to march forward. You remember his goal against Cardiff when he came broke out from the back and basically solo ran all the way to pitch. Like, that was a player who was really turning into something special in a game. One of those players who, like yourselves the previous season, was linked with a move to a bigger club. Florian Lejeune, as I've said before, complete not a Rolls Royce of a defender. And the two of them have just been like, like I mean, Lejeune criminally underused him when he was used, totally unfairly. Putting him in for three games consecutively over the Christmas period when he's had like a career-threatening injury. Um, and Fabian Shea, just zero, zero coaching, zero use of the talents of a player who, who what he lacks, what he possibly lacks defensively. Can more than make up for in just quality and, and, and creating things on the back. And they've both seen their careers. I mean, Lejeune, maybe not because he's in Spain, but like regress. Shea's leaving on a free transfer, like at the end of the season. And, and where's he going to head? Like, this is a player who two seasons again was absolutely phenomenal. And I'm not exaggerating, he was really turned into a really good player. And both of them are like not going to be connected with the club anymore. And it's again, it's just another indicator of, of Bruce's mismanagement and a lack of ability to get the best out of really good players. Totally agree. Totally agree. I think we'll 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 finish it there on on Newcastle Arsenal, unless there's anything pressing. The, the only thing I'd say to finish off was that we now go to two games: Leicester on Friday and Man City after that. Two games that Newcastle setup will be the same. Just what a, what a wasted opportunity that game was yesterday. Wasted time, wasted opportunity. It's like it's it's quite. It's just it's sad. It's sad that. We're sat here talking about another one of these performances. In my opinion, those kind of performances should cost a manager their job. So I'm it's like I'm fully Bruce out and have been for a long time. But that 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 performance was so far below the required minimum levels you'd expect from a professional sports organization that you know, like it, uh, uh, there's no there's there's no coming back from it from me, and there's no way we'll get anything from the next two games. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's just fantasy. I mean, Leicester, Leicester a little bit inconsistent, you could say, and Fulham won there this season. But Fulham, Fulham should have been Arsenal two weeks ago, and we took no, zero, um, you know, zero motivation seemingly from from that. But uh, yeah, what a what a waste opportunity to to shape the narrative here. At the end of the season. Me, me, Norman and Ben did the podcast on Peter midweek. We talked about getting up to like 43, 44, maybe forty five points, which don't get us wrong. It's uh, it's not open top bus parade territory, but it would have been. Um, a huge salvage job from much of the season, uh, and they've lost that opportunity. And and now Bruce faces Sheffield United at home, likely with ten thousand fans there, uh, coming off the back of three defeats. Likely, that's going to be a very very interesting night for anyone who gets to go and the reaction Steve Bruce will get. But um, we'll talk about that later at the time. Um, all right, then the other thing we want to talk about because it affects Newcastle United somewhat. Uh, is the cancelled Man United Liverpool game yesterday because of fan action at Old Trafford? You know, I think those uh, those guys in their wildest dreams might not have thought they got the game called off and they managed to do it. Um, who wants to talk about that? Hi, happy to, happy to go. Um, I back that type of fan action because the thing is, the only way to hurt people such as the Glazers. You can add Mike Ashley to that. You can add all the billionaire owners. The only way to have an impact is to hurt them financially, to hit them in the pocket and to create a great deal of interest. And getting that game called off yesterday, whilst it's not going to break the club, my God, it has caused some ruptures and it has caused reverberations. And it's brilliant to see it is absolute. Look, do I condone violence? No, I don't. Was there any violence yesterday? No, there wasn't, right? Is, is, is pulling a goal bar down violence? Not in my eyes, right? Um, it was It was a protest that was full of passion and was effective look you know like you know it's it's way more effective than an online petition signed by a hundred thousand people 
basically, like, you know, a couple of hundred people getting into a stadium, getting a game called off is way more impactful than 100,000 people signing an online petition. Um, the clubs can handle that. That's fine. I've got, I had a friend from the States yesterday messaging me saying, this is brilliant. Man, you fan she is. And she said, um, the commentators over here saying this is disgraceful. It's just like it was during the hooligan days in the 80s and 90s. This is the image that's getting projected around the world. And I thought to myself, good, it's showing that these fans are taking things in their own hands and saying, we've had enough, we've had enough, and this is what we're going to do. Look, it might fizzle out. It may well fizzle out because we know how powerful, you know, unbridled, brutal capitalism can be. But ultimately, yesterday was a day where the little man stood up and said, nah, fuck off, we are sick. I don't. I don't have much more to add than that. I. 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 I was watching it and I was like, Man. like, just. I, I mean, I don't condone violence as well, and I don't want anyone to be hurt in those kinds of things, and I don't want people to feel unsafe. But at the same time, you have to make some discomfort has to happen for change to happen. I think so. I was kind of, yeah, like, oh, they've actually done it. They've actually called it off. Pretty good. Yeah, the thing the thing I would say in terms of the relevance of Newcastle United is the discourse on social media after was concentrating on a couple of things. Number one, you know, people are a bit frustrated that how can Sky in particular, who were covering the game in the United Kingdom, um, how could Sky condone this and say, well done, and Gary Neville and Jimmy Carragher and say this is great. But whenever we have tried to do anything as a football club or a fan base, it's always been you know, oh, what are they complaining about? You know, they're in the Premier League, whereas Man United are second in the league, they're probably going to win yet another European trophy. I just think we'll have to get a little bit beyond that. As football fans, we'll have to move beyond the the, the petty, the, the rivalry, the, well, we did it better, they did it better. You know, people, you know, West Ham fans were making a good point yesterday, but I, I disagree with the point West Ham fans were saying, well, we did the same thing, trying to get a game called off, and it was universal condemnation from football fans and pundits and journalists alike. That's true, and, and there is a massive hypocrisy there about the, the club and the fans that are involved. It, you know, this hypocrisy is football. It's It, it exists. But... But what we saw yesterday was was maybe the most significant fan, in, you know, um, the most significant fan change or protest or whatever you want to call it in a generation for actually impacting football. Let's—I can't exaggerate enough how big a game globally Man United Liverpool is, and how many people would have been watching that game. That game in itself makes all of the clubs, but Man United Liverpool in particular, hundreds of millions of pounds that fixture. And to get it called off for, you know, maybe a maximum of 300 people who live in the greater Salford area to impact that, that, like you said, Norman, shows the power that football fans have. And we've talked about a lot with the 1892 pledge scheme. You know, when myself and Charlotte have done a lot of the media, one of my main messages has been, we don't realise how much power that we have as football fans. We're too long, too long, they've taken the game away from us. And, and yes, the Super League is the catalyst for this. But for years and years and years, football authorities have, and, and clubs and broadcasters have been chipping away at the game. They've been taking little by little by little and they overstretch themselves this time because they're so used to getting what they want. I think all power to those fans yesterday. And, you know, people are saying next, it, it can't just be a one-off. It was much easier for them to do it in the pandemic because normally you have a massive police presence on a, on a home game. You'd also had potential fans there if there was, you know, and Man United have a huge, huge tourist element of their fan base. I've seen it myself, Norman, haven't we? When we've been to Old Trafford in recent years, um, you know, people like that or people who've travelled the country might not want those games called off. And do they speak for all Man United fans? Well, I think yesterday in, in the response of the football community in general was this is a good thing. And I see a lot of comparisons to what Newcastle United fans have and haven't done. Um, Newcastle United fans were pretty um, militant in the early days, blocking in the Melbourne reception after the, the Kevin Keegan departure of Hull. There was lots of stuff, but eventually you just become worn down. Why this time might be different, you've seen Arsenal fans in the past few weeks with a, a serious demonstration. You've seen Spurs fans doing it. You've seen Liverpool fans doing it. If actually everyone came together and put aside this kind of pettiness, this this rivalry. I'll give you as an example really quickly because Charlotte's got to go soon, so I'll not keep you too long. But I, you know, I've tried to organise some of the other 14 trusts to try and get a united voice um, about what punishments should be given to the top six. Uh, and all, you know, a couple of them came back saying, you just want Newcastle again in Europe. When I suggested the club to be thrown out of Europe, and I was like, no, that's, that is not my motivation here. That's not 
what I want to do. And that ultimately came to nothing. That's, that is an example to me that football fans are their own worst enemies at times because, because no one will work together. Everything is partisan. And, and ultimately, what you saw yesterday, if it's the start of something that might force change, I'm all for it. And, and just to back them up a little bit, Norman, you are right. That had a much bigger impact than the 100,000 signature thing. But don't get me wrong, that was uh, the 100,000 signature thing organised by the Man United Supporters Trust, I think, was a massive achievement. And I'd encourage everyone who's watching and listening to this to sign it. And I will put it in the uh, description of this pod. Uh, I'd just like to see. I had no idea that there was a signature petition going around. I just like literally right. like plucked out the air from from online petitions that you get when you get when you get spam emails from like different organisations saying sign this petition, sign this petition, sign this petition. Like that. That's what I was referring. to. I had no idea there was a, a petition, yeah. and I'm sure yeah. that it's uh, the one that you mentioned is really important. But um, so yeah, my, my, my was a way to point about direct that like direct action <laughs> as opposed to kind of indirect action that that can ultimately be ineffective because. So, so, for example, Man United Football Club, they would be quite happy. I'd imagine the Glazers, like a, a petition, for example, and I'm not necessarily referring to this petition that you mentioned. I've got no idea what it is, right? Um, but in general, if a petition goes around the Glazers, they're not going to know about it. They're not going to know about it. Yesterday, that would have got back to every single one of their members of their family. Pure direct action. So that, that's what I'm saying. Yesterday was incredibly impactful. That's not me saying that a petition can't be effective. I'm just comparing it to kind of a generic, you know, a generic well, petition. A good example, mate, would be last summer the Newcastle petition, which reached 100,000 on the takeover, was launched on the wrong website. It was launched on a change.org, um, whereas this petition's been done through the parliamentary website. Uh, right. It's reached 100,000, so it must be discussed in the House of Parliament, and it's for 50 plus one ownership. And that's what this is the positive thing about it. Um, and this is why a lot more people should sign it because the Man United fans aren't the Man United Trust, they didn't launch an anti Glazer. We deserve better. It was now we need 50 plus one ownership in the United Kingdom and we need now anything as possible. If the government in particular really wanted to do this, they could. They could do this. Let's do it. In that past 100,000 in less than a week. So I'd urge anyone watching and listen, sign, sign the petition, send it to your mates because if you think, and this is, this is my point, Norman, this idea that I saw a little bit about, oh, you know, Man United fans, what are they complaining about? And it's like, I fine. But it, Bury fans might be thinking, what are Newcastle fans complaining about? Bolton fans might be thinking, fucking Newcastle fans. How about we're both right? Do you know what I mean? How about there isn't some sort of hierarchy of victimhood in terms of who has the worst owners? How about all these bad owners shouldn't be in the game? Let's work together as football fans in this country or from wherever you are to try and improve the game. And that that's, speaking plainly, that's my concern. Is that there's so much, um, like it's a little bit, a little bit of elitism between some of these clubs about and their fans about how they view things. And that's why I commend the Man United Supporters Trust for setting that petition because it wasn't about Man United, it wasn't about no, no. that, about the good of the game. Yeah, hundred percent, and I agree. And um, I just just want to make clear that that particular petition I'm talking about yesterday's action was directed towards the Glazers, right? A petition getting 100,000 signatures to get rid of the Glazers. It wouldn't even get back to the Glazers is what I'm saying. You're talking yeah, about something right. that is like 50 plus one ownership and going to Parliament. It's a totally different thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about specifically yesterday, getting the message to the Glazers, those fans getting in that stadium, getting that match called off, it hits them in the pocket and it gets back to them. A, a, a petition before the game saying, let's get rid of the Glazers, it wouldn't have achieved, it wouldn't have achieved anything, you know, so that it, it, it's a different context. Um, but... Um, you mentioned elitism in the game, mate. That's just reflective of that. It's reflective of society, right? For all the so-called people's game, um, with kind of you know working class roots, has it's become packaged through the lens of capitalism. If you look at how Sky Sports has took over football in '92, that that's where we are now. We are in a, a, like a kind of hierarchical system. That's what football is, and ultimately, this the action yesterday, things such as the pledge. The fifty plus one ownership um, drive. These are these are getting football fans to actually turn on and think. You know what? We do. We need to work together. We need to work together because we, we can't we can't get on like this because we are we're fighting against each other when it's actually we should be clubbing together and fighting against the real enemy, which is modern football ownership as it stands. Right. Hundred percent, and it's it goes back to the very essence of what what is the purpose of a football club? Well, the football club is supposed to exist for the benefit of its community. That's why it was created, not for itself. It was it was created for the people it's supposed to serve, um, and and that's gone. That 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 has gone. The, the the clubs, very few clubs, 
do that. So, so, so these people, these owners have come in and changed the purpose and the meaning of what football clubs for, why they exist. And it's only going to, it's, you know, the, these people are, you know, like we've seen Norman, we've said before in the podcast several times, the people who moan the most about the state of the game are the clubs who make the most money, the biggest profits, have the best players, win the most games and have the most fans. They're the ones who seek to divide it further. Um, it'll only be fixed. It can only be pushed back against bios. No, Sky aren't going to stand up because, you know, a lot of people, it, some people did point out the hypocrisy, but a lot of people pointed out, um, you know, uh, Jimmy Carragher, Gary Neville, other people on Sky about the European Super League or even about Project Big Picture. They're kind of saying fair play, all this kind of stuff. And it's, you know, it's like, well, not really because it's one thing that, stand up and criticise something, it's another to actually do something. That's what you saw the Man United fans has to do. They did something, and that's what lads and lasses who support Newcastle protests over the years. Listen, I, I'm not a particularly huge supporter of, of protests in terms of getting Mike Ashley out of what we've done so far, but I, I would never say don't do that. I would never say you shouldn't do this, because it, no, no, you think that's the best way to do things. If you want to not stop going to the match, if you want to cancel your season ticket, you know, do it. Doing something is always better than doing nothing. And I think that's that's where Man United fans found themselves yesterday. It's like, if we continue to do nothing, and let's, let's not forget they'd already invaded the training ground at, at Carrington. They'd already got training stopped. So be interesting to see what happens next. Football fans need to work together. You mentioned the 1892 pledge scheme there, We're nearly on £65,000 after just three weeks. Incredible. Uh, if you haven't pledged yet, would love to have you on board. If you want to have a conversation with me or anyone else or Charlotte or anyone else in the Trust about why you should pledge or anything, any concerns, we're always happy to set up a Zoom call with you and have a chat. But, Norman, Newcastle nil Arsenal 2 is what we started talking about nearly an hour ago. We're, uh, we're back well, probably next Saturday uh, after Newcastle's game at Leicester, which concerns me greatly. Though, though Norman, just to finish it, get your thoughts um, I'd say the one thing Bruce is good at as a manager is pulling a result out when he absolutely has to. When it's like we've gone into games thinking if he loses today, you know, like Burnley is one of those games, isn't it? If we lost that game, yeah, how you know? I mean, as it turns out, Fulham still wouldn't have passed because they haven't won either. But you know, sh- surely this this kind of shit or bust run is going to come unstuck at one stage with them. But do you, do you see we're getting anything? I mean, let's talk about now, the rest of this season, we'll, we'll make predictions on Peter and Yuna this week. You know, I think you'll have Keith Gillespie on Peter this week as well. So if you're not a Peter and get involved, five pound a month. Um, how do you see the rest of the season going, mate? Frankly, I say kind of miserably. Uh, the, ne- the next two games will be defeats. Uh, you know, you mentioned Leicester's inconsistency before. What we have to remember is that none of these things matter with Newcastle. Yeah. It doesn't matter if Newcastle are playing a side that hasn't scored in ages. It doesn't matter if Newcastle are playing against a side where the centre forward's gone nine games without a goal. It doesn't matter if Newcastle are playing a side that's um, got a terrible home record away from home. It, like it, 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 none, none of that matters when it comes to, to Newcastle United, right? It, it doesn't even come into it. Um, Leicester's inconsistency won't, as far as, I'm, as far as I can see, matter a jot when we play them at their place. Um, I, I feel that like Leicester will beat us quite comfortably. I think we'll go there and I think we'll lie down because the attitude... Right now, will be at Leicester next week, so we've got to write that one off. I think that'll be the attitude right now in that squad. I think Bruce getting results when he really needs them, that won't be the case until Sheffield United at home. I think we'll beat Sheffield United at home. That'll, that'll, that's what's saving grace is the fact that we've got Sheffield United, and I watched them against Spurs yesterday in the Wattala with a shot. Um, I mean, that they have completely in the down tools when they still have a chance of staying up, which is mental, and especially if you think that they've actually won the same amount of games as both West Brom and, and Fulham, they've actually won the same <laughs> amount of games as those two sides. Um, so that, that that's the saving grace, but mate, I, I think I think we'll pick up three points. If if Fulham are really, if Fulham are already down in the last game of the season, which you likely will be, we'll make it something there, make you a nil-nil draw. Um, so I would say probably a maximum of four points. Nice one. All right, I'm sure Brucey would snap your hand off for that right now. Um, You're not giving me your prediction though. I feel like I feel like we'll lose every game, but, <laughs> but <laughs> spectacular. Uh, you, well, because I just, you know, because it's like yesterday's game provides additional context to the previous fixtures. So Newcastle do what they do against Spurs, which is start well, then play really badly for ages, then fit, then end well. Like, what can they take into the next week? Will they go and beat Burnley the following week after starting badly, but getting better as the game goes on? So there's like part of you is thinking there are some movement towards some sort of improvement going on and then after Burnley what happens we'll play a very good West Ham side who are in fantastic form 
albeit with a couple of their best players injured. And they deservedly go ahead and then the shit for large parts of the game, but pull the result at the bag and you're like, wow, there's a, you know, there's a lot of forward momentum. You go to Liverpool, play really, really, really shit for most of the game, should be out of sight, and then end the game really well. And all of that, you think, is building towards something. And then what yesterday does against Arsenal just confirms that, nah, it, it's not building towards anything. In fact, the stuff you've seen the previous week is the zenith. It's the high point of where we're going to be under Steve Bruce. That little four-game unbeaten written, Bruce references it in his post-match press conference yesterday. And he talks about, we didn't get close to the levels of the previous few few games. It's like, we did. which levels though? Yeah, like what? Like which, which part in particular? What when, when uh, Joe Willock comes off the bench and saves with three times in, in very late in games, very late. We didn't deserve to win any of those games. When Anderson Maxman single-handedly turns the game against Burnley on its head, we didn't deserve, we didn't deserve to win that game. So if you don't deserve to, if you don't deserve what you had previously, and Bruce is talking about reaching those levels, it doesn't make any sense. And that's why I just he think he can't. He confuses points with performances right that's the confusion so every time we pick up a point or three points that automatically by mere fact that we've got a point or three points is a good performance regardless of how, how you've played the fact that you've got something from the game means that you've played well well i just don't think that's the case because ultimately we pick up points but we repeat the same performance the next game and we'll still get beat the performances are still the same it just depends on on, on the look that we have in that particular game, like you see Alan Maximan taking out five players in one move, for example, or the opposition making some unforced errors. That's Newcastle United right now. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. And that's why I look at the rest of the season. I look at that performance today. I tell you what, it remi- what yesterday reminded me of, apart from all those fixtures we've talked about. And by the way, Leicester at home was another such performance where we just rolled over and died, didn't really put any pressure on them got comfortably beaten 2-0, but then Andy Carroll comes on and makes it a little bit interesting at the end. And then and then Bruce after that game is talking about how well we played and when he got something, when in fact it was just more of the same. That was basically like if Dwight Gale comes on yesterday and, and scores on 85 minutes, that you know, Bruce almost takes it as a win. Um but I look at the remember the end of last season, mate, after we beat Bournemouth 4-1, we'll go to Watford, who ended up getting relegated. We're like like so bad, like like unprofessional in the second half, um, and then we'll play Man City away. One of the worst ever performances by any Castle side I've ever seen. Five 0 defeat could have been, could have, should have been ten. You know, I mean, Man City really let themselves down that day by missing as many chances as they did. Uh, Bruce playing Emil Kraft at centre half and putting Shaw in the midfield, which is again, you know, we could, we could, there's going to be so much like emotional fallout from the Bruce years when they're over. Um, and then and then we'll play PTSD. <laughs> yeah. And then remember Liverpool <laughs> at home, the final day of the season, and like Newcastle like bet like barely even ran that game. We're beaten three one in what in what what can only be described as a testimonial style fixture. Liverpool just like not even like turning up and winning three one and then Bruce at the end of the game standing there beaming saying it's been a really good season. Like and, and and he was really pleased with the lads. There's everything that asked of him. He can't. It's just the same. It's the same bullshit. And I think we're at that stage now. He's gone mentally. Bruce, I think he's gone. He's we've stayed up. You heard Sean Longstaff referenced it. Isaac Hayden referenced it. Both dropped by the way immediately after making those comments. That at the end of last season they thought everyone just down tools. That it was just once once we were safe, we're there. We are. You know, for, for us not to be safe, Fulham who've won five games all season, you won three of the last four fixtures. It's not, it's not going to happen. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just not going to happen. So I think we're already at that point. And I think, yes, we could be Sheffield United because, I mean, we're playing two of the three worst teams in the league. But then I look at how Newcastle performed against Sheffield United the first time. I wonder how Newcastle performed against West Brom. Do you mean, are we going to be loads better? And yes, Alan St. Maximan is playing. But I just think mentally, the, the remit has been achieved done what they've got to do. I just think mentally they've down tools. They're, they're gone. And in a performance like yesterday, for Bruce to come out and say the players did everything he asked of them, you can't fault them at all. It's like, well then the problem is you, Steve. If that, if that if they've followed your blueprint for that for that game of football, the problem is you. And I don't think that's going to change. So I think we'll lose all four games. Funny, isn't it? Because I think I had us in the parent show with the highest number of points from the last yeah, four games. Yeah, on seven in Zuridab, but that's because we're <laughs> But I've, I've I've changed it from seven to zero because yesterday it's it's one thing yesterday <laughs> being what it was. Yeah, but it was well. This is the thing. Yesterday was what it was, 
but then for them for them not to be disappointed by it, for them not to be like, fuck, this has gone so badly wrong. We're gonna have to make some sort of sweeping change. It's gonna be no, that went well. That was all right. That's acceptable. So we're supposed to win a game of football. We'll, pro- we'll, we'll probably go and fucking beat Leicester now. We've got we've been talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> but right, I think that's us for the week. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we'll be back, like I said, uh, Saturday after the Leicester game. And uh, we'll have lots of content this week on Patreon for you. We'll talk about lots of things to do with Newcastle United and beyond. Speak to you all very soon. Cheers. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.